Here. Over here. Come closer. That's right. Take a long, hard look. You see, jewels have always been about gazes and feelings. But what if I told you about a piece of jewelry that was meant to be kept hidden? Like a secret relationship. A love affair. You're listening to The Voice of Jewels, a podcast from L'Ecole, School of Jewelry Arts, supported by Van Cleef and Arpels, unveiling the stories and secrets behind history's most fascinating jewels. This is how it was for the future King of England in 1785. Prince George was madly and scandalously in love with a beautiful young widow named Maria Ann Fitzherbert. And he was so smitten, he created a spellbinding piece of jewelry in her honor. The Lover's Eye, a mysterious jewel that would spark a worldwide fashion trend. The story behind The Lover's Eye is deeply intriguing and romantic, and the jewel is making a glittering comeback. Today, the lover's eye serves as inspiration for designers and creators. And if you look carefully, you'll notice the eye in museums and TV series. All is fair in love and war. Miss Daphne Bridgerton. It's not so surprising to find so many lover's eyes in the Bridgerton Chronicles since it's perfect for series. Leonard Puy, doctor in art history and teacher researcher at L'Ecole School of Jewelry Arts. It's the uh, definitive clue. It's something you can discuss. You have to interpret. You need to recognize. It's uh, great for, for debate, for gossip. So, of course, there will be lots of uh, discussion in forums among fans, but also in the, the series per se. When someone wears a lover's eye, of course, people want to know who is the person represented. So definitely, the lover's eye can allow such a proximity, such a relationship. You can still uh, look at, you can still be with the person you love, even if uh, he or she's not there. It's the 3rd of November, 1785. Maria Ann Fitzherbert sits on her silk yellow sofa, clutching a small and mysterious parcel, just arrived from England. She peels open the box and looks inside. The frantic scribble is familiar. I'm sending you a parcel. I hope you haven't forgotten me. You'll find there's a striking resemblance. Maria cradles a strange, pearl-rimmed brooch. In the center of the jewel is an eye, floating strangely on a monochrome background. We need to remember that what Maria Fitzherbert is holding in her hand is a little jewel. Inesitage Echo jewelry historian and teacher at L'Ecole, School of Jewelry Arts. It's pretty much the size of an eye, surrounded by a bit of surface in perfect white ivory, and then surrounded by gold, and then surrounded by precious gems of some sort, whether it's pearls, whether it's rubies, whether it's garnets. It's stones that are important during this period, and this, even the stones in this period are all about emotional messages. So whatever the stone is that's around it is telling part of the story. The eye seems to flicker with life. The dark iris on a thin ivory leaf gazes back at Maria with longing and melancholy. Maria Ann is dining with friends, but her mind is elsewhere. 
the jewel is opening a door in her consciousness. A year earlier, in the foyer of the London Opera, she was introduced to an admirer, a handsome, witty man by the name of George, Prince George of Wales, heir to the English throne. It was love at first sight for both of them, all-consuming passion, but their love was forbidden because Maria Anne was a widow and a Catholic, and George was said to marry a Protestant. So, uh, as we've seen uh, quite recently, it's not rare among uh, British aristocracy to find uh, illicit relationships, and sometimes you need to go around the etiquette, the, the tradition. It is a secret and kind of clandestine jewel uh, in a way that it is forbidden, in a way. You are with someone you're not supposed to be with, and uh, with your actual lover, even though you're supposed to, to be with someone else. Maria is dining with friends, but her mind is elsewhere. Her breath is short and the tension is mounting in her chest. She goes up to her room and locks the door twice. Taking the lover's eye from its box, she's instantly charmed. It's George's eye, his smile, his gaze. He's right beside her. The lovers are reunited by the jewel. Maria Ann threads a white satin ribbon through the jewel and hangs it around her neck. She smooths her dress and studies herself in the mirror. The garnets catch the candlelight. The pearls rub against her smooth skin. She's never felt so beautiful. She lies back on her bed, shuts her eyes, and dreams. So, for example, pearls. They mean everything. They mean what's the most sublime. They mean spirituality, sensuality. They mean perfection. Um, they mean all that, but they also become raging fashion. Garnet, it's red, the red of passion, the red of love, the red of, of even good health, the red of all the good things you want to come from a relationship. And turquoise, turquoise is because it's simply beautiful, because it has a symbolism for good luck, because it has a symbol of the blue sky without storms, but also because it just becomes raging fashion. It's dawn. Maria Anne is on the front steps of her mansion. She greets the house staff and steps into her horse-drawn carriage. She doesn't look back. With her pendant safely hidden beneath her clothing, she leaves France for good. It's the 15th of December, 1785. Maria Anne and George are secretly wed in a London chapel. Alas, rumors of a wedding scandal have begun to circulate, and the future king's entourage is forced to publicly deny it. The Prince of Wales is in serious debt, and his father, George III, forces him to terminate the clandestine marriage. Maria Anne takes refuge in Marble Hill House, where she glimpses the prince from her window. He's about to remarry, this time to a Protestant princess. Maria's last effort is a passionate letter to Prince George with a very important P.S. It sees you and nobody else. Tucked inside the letter, the prince discovers a miniature reproduction of his lover's left eye, which he pins to his lapel. The magic is back. 
as a jewelry history teacher to explain the eye jewel and the hair jewel, which often goes with it, there can be a bit of a state of being creeped out. People can be a little, little upset by it. However, if we start to put it in context, if we explain that there's no way to be in contact with the person you love, the person can be so far away, there's no FaceTime, there's no phone call, there's no, not even a photo of the person, in a way we could say that this lover's eye at the very center is at the very center of what will be the romantic movement in jewelry. After one year, George's marriage of convenience is over. The lovers reunite and settle in Brighton for the next few years. The lover's eye has ignited a new trend, one that will eventually circulate the world. Today, the lover's eye has been resurrected, thanks to Nan and Dr. David Skier, two passionate collectors, one of whom is an eye surgeon. This precious jewel is giving you the eye. In the Met Museum in New York, and in prestigious art collections from Boston to Philadelphia to the Victoria and Albert Museum in London. As for Maria Anne's gazing eye, well, King George IV was buried with it. Or so the story goes. The Voice of Jewels is a podcast from L'Ecole, School of Jewelry Arts, supported by Van Cleef and Arpels. Written by Martin Quenillon and Aram Kebadjian. Performed by Eduardo Ballerini and produced by Bababam. <laughs> <laughs>